0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you made it out. Pray you had a wonderful Christmas and we move forward to a new year. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real quick and our ushers would gladly get you a Bible. Then go with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 I'm looking real quick. Did, did Mikey already take off? Mike Curio, he was here this morning. Is he gone? Okay. I know he had to check a flight. We pray blessings over him. He's in our military. I know Elise Herrera is still here. Uh, Adam Red here, uh, Bible school. Adam, raise your hand. He's in Minnesota right now. We're glad to have him here with us. I know there's several other you here. I, I can't see all your faces today right now, so bless all of you. I'm going to give you a little bit of a heart with the things the Lord has put on me just here at the end of the year, some, some things that I believe will be significant in 2020, and just today and the upcoming weeks, I'll give you a little bit. 2020 will be a year of many, and you'll begin to hear the many's that will take place, I believe, with all my heart, but one thing I really, really want to highlight today is we, we've got to stay with the authority of God's Word. The authority of God's Word is on attack in not only our land, but the world, unlike any other time I've ever seen it. And the biblical uh, scripture of that would be in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 where it said, whose minds whose minds are thinking, our reasoning, our opinions are formed, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. If you were to look at that passage of Scripture, the God, the G in that is little g. So the devil's goal is to blind our minds. As that Scripture progresses, it goes on to say that he's blinding minds to the gospel. And I believe the closer we get to the returning of Jesus, you're going to see this more and more. So I highlight this to all the ages. Stay with the word. No, we have saying nothing buts about the word of God. It's the truth of the word of God. And again, you got to live by it. And, 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 and the Bible's very clear. it says, don't add to it or take away. It is the, the uncompromised word of God. Well, just a thought for you there. We begin in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May the God of peace himself make you holy in every way. Now, if you'll note in there, who's gonna do that? The God of peace and the word sanctify means to set you apart, to declare you are holy. So what would happen if we begin to start the new year and say, Father God, sanctify me completely. Go to work within me. Draw me a little closer. Pull me a little deeper than I've ever been before. And he goes on to say, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless the message says to keep you fit the passion says to be kept completely flawless now that's god's desire for every one of us and if you'll note something in there he highlights the three areas of mankind spirit soul and by my body my spirit man is, is my heart. It's, it's the real me that will live eternally. My soul is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions, and my body, the third part, is this physical earth suit that you see right now. Now, God's desire is to, to be in control in every area of our life. God wants to help you in your heart, your mind, your emotions, and even to help you get your stinking flesh under control. How many of you could, could, could lose, uh, use a little help in your flesh today? If you didn't raise your hands, we're gonna pray for liars after the church, okay? <laughs> we all need a little help with our flesh. But when I look at what he says, spirit, soul, and body, I don't believe it was by accident that he listed it in that order. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, oftentimes in our lives, we get this backwards. We go body, soul, and spirit. And I'm not saying none of those are important. Every one of them need to be surrendered to God. But I believe this, that he's really saying what you put first will order the rest. And so he's telling us, I, I've, I've got to invest into my spirit. I've got to invest in my heart on a daily basis. And I think many times we get this backwards. We're more consumed with our physical than our spiritual. Now God's not against you taking care of your physical body. But what about your heart? You know, in my life, I've, I've really enjoyed exercising. I try to get some cardio. I try, I try to do a little strength training still. It's diminished over the years, but I still try to do it. And I remember one day, I was in between sets, and I was in my garage. And the Lord said to me, he said, give me due time. Give me due time. In other words, if you spend a, uh, an hour at the gym trying to lose Christmas, give me an hour of your time in the Word and in prayer. Now, It's going to hurt some of you, okay? How many of you play video games for more than an hour a day? Don't go there, Pastor. Don't even do that to us. Well, my screen time on my phone is down to two hours and 38 minutes. See, again, we, we make time for certain things in our life, but do I make time for my spirit man? I, I feed my flesh three hot meals a day, and I feed my spirit man one cold snack a week, and I wonder why I'm spiritually malnourished. See, the only way to get God in you is to get in the Word. To become a man or a woman of prayer. To spend time just worshiping, just thanking Him. Now, why is this so significant? Well, keep reading this, this verse. That your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it doesn't matter, does it? I gave my heart to jesus i 'm born again well I, I I believe in salvation, I believe in the born again experience, but why did he say to keep us blameless to keep us fit to complete to keep us complete at the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus because he doesn 't want us to drift he doesn 't want us to get us off course, so what we 're going to talk about this morning. Is how to live to please God. So go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I want to highlight again what I said a minute ago. What you put first will order the rest. So the goal here today is to say, okay. What's God's priorities for my life? What does God want us to focus in on? Matthew 6 And as you go here, we're we're going to start in verse 1. You'll find out these are red-letter words. This is Jesus' prescription to me and you today. Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed or watch out that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. The the word charitable there means your good deeds. And and it's interesting that he highlights and he says... Don't don't do it before men to be seen by them. So I believe immediately he's saying, examine your motives. Don't do it to be showing off. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven, or better stated, you lose your reward that Father God has for you. Now, it's interesting right there that he tells us there's a reward in your giving. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God, for God is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah. Our God's a God of rewards. But when I look at what he said there, he doesn't reward just what I do, but he rewards on how I actually do it. So do I do my charitable deeds to get the applause of mankind? Verse 2. Therefore, when you do. Now I'm going to stop right there. When you do. He didn't say if you do. He said when you do. So he's already setting the bar from us. When you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in in the streets. Don't blow your own horn. Don't announce or make a show as the hypocrites do. Now, listen to some of the definitions of a hypocrite. A double standard. One that's overcritical. One that's nitpicking. One who puts on an act. Now, do any of those describe me? And he goes on to say, that they may have their glory for men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. So when people do charitable acts of giving for appearance only, and it's not out of a true heart of compassion or to bless someone, guess what he's literally telling me and you? It conceals my true motives. Verse 3. But when, there it is again, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Again, your motive must be pure. I I can't do this for the recognition, the applause of mankind. Verse 4. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I want to highlight again, your heavenly father, he sees, not only he sees what you give, he sees how you give it. And so if we were to go back and look at verse one, verse two, verse three, verse four, in verse one, verse two, and verse four, he specifically uses the word reward again and again and again. I don't do it for the reward. I do it to please God. But understand, when I do it with the right motive and the right heart, there's a reward. There's a reward, a big reward. In other words, when I look at the reward he's talking about, because you obey what Jesus says and you do it with the right motive, you got heaven's attention. God wants 2020 to be a year of many. Verse 5. And when you pray, and when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. Now, I believe with all my heart that the Lord wants to put a fresh anointing on every one of us in here to start this year. And God is looking for men and women to be prayer warriors, to be fighters in the kingdom realm. One of our greatest weapons is prayer, it's one of our greatest weapons. And so the Lord Jesus says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. So you know he's telling us here? Be sincere. Don't come across as self-righteous, as holier than thou. You're the man of the hour with all the power. No, that's not what he's talking about. And it's interesting here, he comes or uses the word hypocrites again. And he goes on to say, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. The message says a theatrical production, a regular show hoping for stardom. I was in Israel back in March and I went to the holy holy wall there where you see people praying and to this day you still see the Pharisees and the Sadducees that they're more concerned about what people think about their praying than what God thinks. And one of the most humble prayers that we can learn to pray Father God, help. Help us. Help us. Keep reading. Verse number six. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to the fathers who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Now, right here, guys, Jesus is not criticizing public prayer. But he does, content, uh, he does content, condemn the pretentious prayer that attracts attention from mankind. This is what I believe he's getting over to. It wasn't about public and private prayer, but rather it was about a heartfelt or a hypocritical prayer. He ends and says, what your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words, their formula, their phrases, their meaningless repetition, their empty babblings. The New Living says, don't babble on and on as the people of other religions do. So what he's getting over here is, is persevering prayer, persistent prayer that's sincere. Now, back in verse 6, he gives us a great nugget. He said, pray to the Father. Pray to the Father. I am to pray to Father God in the name of Jesus. Colossians three seventeen says, whatever I do in word or deed, I do in the name of Jesus. So I go before Father God and I say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Go to Father God. Why is that phrase "pray to the Father" so important? Because pray to the Father is an intimacy. It's I got a relationship with it. It's not some religious format. It's sincere, heartfelt prayer that I'm. I'm just talking to God. Understand this with heartfelt prayer. It's not a punishment. It's a privilege. We ought to rejoice with the opportunity that we get to pray to Father God. Now, one of the greatest biblical examples of prayer is Daniel 6, chapter 10, which literally says that that three times a day he would get on his knees and, and he would pray and give thanks as was his custom since early days. So he would go before God. And he would get on his knees and he would give praise and he would thank, or he would pray and he would give praise, which was his custom. So it tells me it was something that was birthed with him at a young age. I believe this is God's desire for, for every one of us. Jeremiah 33, three says this, it says, call on me, call on me. And I will hear you and I will answer. Call on me. And I highlight that phrase, call on me, because it literally means to say something specific. It cross references to Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, and it specifically talks about that when God created the heavens and earth, God specifically says, and that'll be called day. And that'll be called night. God loves when you pray. When you pray. I want to highlight this just a little bit. We really, really, really need to ask God to grace us with a prayer life unlike any other time in our lives. Not just for me and you but specifically for our family members. That we begin to pray that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, and we begin to pray that the devil doesn't blind their minds to the truth, and we begin to pray that the gospel gets into their hearts. How many of you in this room right now have got family that really, really, really need us to pray? Every one of us, and so I highlight that this morning to say, what a privilege for me and you to go before the creator of the universe, that God who not only created me and you, but he created our family members and say, Lord, we're going to stand in the gap for them. And most of us in this room, if not all of us, the reason we're here today is we had someone pray for us. Praying Samuels are a result of praying Hannah's. Again, I I can't overlook what Jesus said about prayer. Man, let this birth within every one of us. Father God, grace me to have a a heart to pray. Sincerely. Grace us, Father God, to pray. Just to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray, day by day by day. A prayer that's passionate, a prayer that's alive, a prayer that's vibrant, a prayer that's Authentic. It's real. This was Jesus' desire. You know, I believe in 2020, it'll be the year of many. That when we pray, others obey. Well, Pastor, I don't want that responsibility. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. God wouldn't ask us to pray. God wouldn't ask us to give like he said to do without gracing us to do it. So you know what God's saying? Charge. Fight. War. Begin to believe God. I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm a man after God's own heart. I can commune with God just like everybody else. I've got to get this in me. And so I'm not, I'm not going to take us into the Lord's Prayer. But Matthew 6 verse 9 is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For is the kingdom, the glory, and the power forever. Amen. I didn't do that to impress you. I did that where if you go back and look at that, in that prayer right there that I just said, you'll find prayer for spirit, soul, and body is in every bit of that. Every bit of that, every time I would look at that and break, I would see that in there. Something happens when we model Jesus' life. Same chapter, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, when you fast, Pastor, we we're all fattened up from the holidays. Why you mention a fast? In Jewish custom, they were not only required, they were commanded to fast at least once a year. That's Leviticus 23 if you want to study it. When you see the word fast, the word fast means to go without food. Out. It's a self-discipline. Now, many will fast certain things. I don't believe God's against you fasting TV, your your social media, uh, other other forms of entertainment. But the primary fast is to go without food. And literally stated here, it is difficult, but it teaches self-discipline. The message says it's an appetite denying discipline. Now let's keep reading here. When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. So the hypocrites, they wave their way into this right here, too, with a sad countenance. Huh. Keep reading. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. They try to look miserable so people will admire them. The new American standard says they neglect their appearance in order to be seen. I want to be viewed as spiritual. End of verse 16. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 17, but you, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. The passion says, don't let it be obvious so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. Now, anytime you get into the fast. Almost every New Testament reference will cross-reference you back to Isaiah 58. If you really want to study fasting, go back to Isaiah 58. One of the reasons the fast begins to take place is it begins to talk about a self-discipline or self-sacrifice that I am literally to be good to other people. In other words, God is looking for a change of heart. In other words, the fast, this, this self-discipline is to rid me of selfishness and that me. Me, me, me. I don't care about anybody else but me. Now, when we look at this here, Fasting, praying, and giving. What's interesting about every bit of that is you really study that. For me to give is to affect another human being. God's not against me praying for myself, but the real meaning of prayer is when I begin to petition God on behalf of others. And even the fast, it does something spiritually for me But it impacts people, and we're going to see how this takes place. And so one of the great passages in the area of fasting was in Matthew 17, verse 14 through 21. So what happens? There's a man who has a son, and his son is an epileptic. And he has seizures, and it says that he's thrown in the fire and often into water. And he brings his son to the disciples But they couldn't cast him out. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, your disciples couldn't cast him out. And Jesus said, bring him to me. After Jesus sets this boy free, the disciples said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? And in in Matthew 17, verse 20, the Lord Jesus says, because of your unbelief. Because of your lack of faith. Now, when I read that passage, I, I never get that Jesus is, is slapping them. Saying, come on, stupid. He uses this as a great moment to coach them and teach them. And say, listen, fellas you got to soak in the word. you got to soak in what I, got, what I told you. you got to soak in the name of Jesus. So when you really believe in the name of Jesus, you'll act on that without a hesitation. see the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. I'm reading this. Actually, I'm not reading. I'm listening to this story about this guy. He's had 500 documented cases of raising people from the dead. 500. Let me help you with that. That's 500 more than you and I have. But we serve the same Jesus. We're saved by the same Jesus. Acts 10.34 says God's no respecter of persons. But what began to move me about this guy is he believed in the name of Jesus. And one of the great stories I read, he's on an airplane flight, and the guy next to him goes into cardiac arrest. The stewardess gets on the intercom and says, Can, can a doctor come back here? And this doctor goes back there, tries to revive him. He dies, he dies on the airplane. The guy's woman, or the guy's wife who's next to him, she's crying. My husband's dead on their plane. The guy who's sitting by him is this man of God. The man of God's wife looks over at the other ladies and says, "Do you believe God raises people from the dead?" And she, and she goes, "My husband can raise him from the dead." He looks at her lays his hands on him in the name of Jesus and right there on that airplane at 30,000 feet life comes back into him and everybody on the plane gets born again see miracles have a tendency to do stuff so the first thing he said to his fellows your lack of faith well you know what I say on that grace my faith father god grace me Grace my faith. The next time I'm in the mall and I see someone in a wheelchair, not only one do I have the faith to lay hands on them, I have the courage to lay hands on them. I believe he's the healer. Well, if you really believe it, you'll act. And then you know what Jesus said to him in verse 21? He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Something happens. When I get over and I begin to pray, and I begin to fast. And so you see the highlight here of of Matthew 6. He said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Every one of those three, giving, praying, and fasting, he dealt with the hypocrite. Go back and look at every one of them. The hypocrite was highlighted. In every one of them, a reward was highlighted. The reward comes when I look to God and I live a self-disciplined life and I say, "Woo, Father God, I get a give. Woo, I get a pray. I get a fast. I'm ready to go to work. Now go with me to Acts chapter 10. Oh, I got move. Acts chapter 10. Again, God is after a change of heart. So the prerequisite to go forward into victory and to go deeper with God in 2020 i got to obey God. And i got to obey God with the right heart. Acts 10. Oh, get ready. You're getting ready to get the dessert, okay? Acts 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Let me highlight. This is a Gentile. This is a Roman military officer, so he understands authority. Verse 2, a devout man, a thoroughly good man. The passage says, extraordinary in character. Now, pay close attention how the Bible defines a devout man. One who feared God with all his household. The fear of God is to hate evil. Just to hate it. I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. God hates evil. So the first thing he said, he was a man who feared God. Then it says, who gave alms or charitable goods generously to the people. And he prayed to God always. Now let me ask you something. Do those words that describe a devout man... Do any of those define you? I fear God. I'm a giver. I love to pray. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he, Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision, and I'm just going to throw this out, 2020 will be the year that many will begin to see visions. Many. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, don't worry. You won't have to worry about it, Okay. They saw clearly in the vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, "Cornelius, 2020 will be a year of many." That angelic manifestation I believe with all my heart, guys, they're going to start doing this." Verse four. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, "What is it, Lord?" Now, I don't know how big this angel is, but I got to he's pretty good size. And man, when he sees him, it, it, it knocks him off his feet to a certain degree. And he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up or ascended into heaven for a memorial before God. Wait, 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 wait. What got uh, heaven's attention? his prayers, and his giving. They came up as a sacrifice to God. They had been remembered by God. God not only sees, God rewards. And Cornelius' actions here drew God's favorable attention and they serve as an example for me and you. And so they said, he says here, this angel They've come up before God as a memorial. So as this is going on with Cornelius, God begins to deal with this disciple named Peter. And he begins to tell Peter, you're going to go and minister to the Gentiles. Well, that was a no-no for a Jew to do that. But God kept on speaking into Peter's heart. Not long after that, there's a knock on his door. And Peter is in a city of Joppa. And and this angel told Cornelius, he said, send a couple men. So they knock and Peter opens. And they said, we've come on behalf of Cornelius. A just man, a godly man. Why? Okay, Acts 10, verse 29. And this is Peter talking and he says, Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then... For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. He was on a four-day fast. And we like to start here in this church with a fast. And I'm not going to tell you how many days to do it. One day, three days, seven days, 21 days, 40 days. Bless you. I've only known a couple of men in my life that have gone on a full 40-day fast. Oh, my goodness. I applauded them. Pastor, have you done that? I've never been on a 40-day fast yet. But it says here, I was on a four-day fast until now. Keep reading. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. If you're going to fast, you're going to pray. They go hand in hand, okay? And I was praying. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So what I begin to see here now, his giving, his praying, and his fasting put him in the mainstream With God. Now you want to see something real interesting here? He says here in verse 31. Or verse 30. Behold a man stood before me in bright clothing. If you were to go back and look in Acts 10 verse 3. He said an angel came. This time he uses the word a man came. So what was it? Was it a man or an angel? You may want to write this down. This is Hebrews 13, 2. Many of you have entertained angels and you were unaware of it. I believe this will be another area of many that this is going to start taking place more and more and more and more. So when you look at this Gentile whose name is Cornelius... He began to be moved by the Jewish God. How do we know it was the Jewish God? Because it said it prayed to God. If you go back and look, the word G in God in in verse two is capital G. That's Yahweh. That's the great Jehovah. So something happened with this Gentile that said, I've got to give, i got to pray, and i got to fast, and I'll begin to get God's attention. So he goes on to say, And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. I don't know about you. I look forward to 2020 to get God's attention. Now, in order to do that, he sets the bar high right here. I got to learn to give. I got to learn to pray. I got to learn to fast. So what does that do? More God, less than me. Same chapter. I'm getting closer to being done. Look with me in verse 42. This is Peter talking now at the end of this. And Peter said, and he commanded us to preach to the people. And he commanded us to preach to the people. Everything that Peter will talk about here points to people. You know why? Why? People are important to God. Your bank account isn't that important to God. People are important to God. And see, so he said, preach to people and to testify that this is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, the Lord Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sin. So, what you begin to see? Preach Jesus, and when you preach people, preach Jesus, people get saved, and people don't have to be dominated by sin for the remission of sin. Again, he highlights the word of God, verse forty three. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. I highlight this because God loves people. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. You preach the word, people get saved. You preach the word, people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. In Acts 10, verse 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and power, and he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. God is still into preaching the word. God is still into anointing people with the Holy Spirit. Some of you say, well, that's not what I was told. Well, what you were told, they lied, okay? God's still in the Holy Spirit business. I'm going to end this, and you don't even have to turn there. This is Acts 10, verse 35. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Whoever fears him. The question of that, do I fear God more than I fear man? Do do I fear peer pressure more than I fear God? I highlight those things because these things are real right now, especially to our younger generations. But he says, and to the one who works righteousness, who actually does giving, praying, and fasting, he said, these will be accepted by him. And so the more I emphasize Jesus, the more I emphasize the Word of God, the more I emphasize the Holy Spirit in my everyday life and in this church, the more we'll see God move. Why not you stand on your feet here today? woo It's the goodness of God, guys. Again, I, I, I do use zero good without preaching the word. My thought again is, you get in the word, God will get into you. You, you get in the word, you'll feed your faith and starve your doubts. <laughs> Some of you need to get really, really fat on the word of God. That's P-H-A-T fat, okay? Swell up with the things of God. Just ask right now, right here where you're at, just bow your head. again i i'm not the convictor that's the holy spirit and when he convicts us he doesn't he doesn't do it to hurt us he does it to help us and it's like he's saying just just respond to me just respond to me you may be here today Maybe you don't know Jesus is Lord in your life. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus, Lord. Maybe you're in a, a state where you, you've run from the things of God instead of toward God. And, and if that's you to start off this morning, I just ask you to boldly. Just make your way down here. We just want to pray for you. It's a good thing. It's a 2020 thing. That's my prayer is that we see. We see many born again in 2020. I I welcome you today. I I welcome you not not to have your head down to come down here. I I need Jesus. I need to be restored to the things of God. The second area that we want to dive into is based off of everything the Lord Jesus said in Matthew six. you're praying and you're fasting I don't know about you but they're going to sing this song draw me a little closer pull me deeper than I've ever been before and it may be in the area of giving where you say "Man, I, I want to be known in heaven like Cornelius that his alms got the attention. I want to be known in his heaven as a man who prayed, as a man who stood like Abraham did. And I want to be known that if it takes fast, then we're going to get in there and do it. And so as they, they sing this, I, I believe the Lord wants to put a fresh anointing on us today. It just stirs within us They sing this. I I welcome you to respond here at these altars. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.